ElectroCast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into Missing the Point. This is actually episode 100, but we're, we have a big old celebration planned for you all later. I am Michael Marcangelo, joined by the real BK Bob Kelly. And uh, it was Patriots off week, which means that this is going to be a very cowboy-centric podcast. Bobby, how are you? And what were your takeaways from, from the week of football? Uh, I'm good. Um, you know, as everyone here knows, new dad. So I'm a little tired, but I'm good. I'm here. I think we're all pretty tired. <laughs> That's a fact. Um, what a inside joke for everyone out there. Um, so I, I listen. I'm very happy the Cowboys won this week. We really took control of that division. Um, you know, it, it's ours for 100, pretty much 100. percent If we win this week, uh, and I think any of the NFC East teams lose, we quench that division. However, as good as that defense was, as amazing as the D line was, I need to start off with negative, and and just. What the hell is going on with this offense, man? It is driving me nuts. The Cowboys had a 24 to nothing lead going into the half. And I was thinking blowout city, central. I, I told you guys that. I was like, listen, the blowout is on tap. Get it ready. Yep. That's not how that second half went. Dak Prescott just looked lost in that second half, man. He did everything he could to try and give the football team that game. Um, that pick six in the fourth quarter was the most <laughs> inexcusable rookie throw. And, and he's what a, f- a fifth year pro now. It, but in Dak's defense, the D line, the, the defensive lineman was midair. So he blocked the linebacker that was spying. Like I, I you, you still can't make that throw though. In that situation, right? You can't yeah. make that throw over the middle like that. Um, you, you're just begging for someone to jump into the lane of that pass and pick it off. You know what I mean? Every ten, probably six out of 10 times if there's a, a decent linebacker there a decent safety lurking he's gonna make a play on that ball it's just in the fourth quarter when you're up i think we we're up 14 at that point you can't make that throw you cannot get that aggressive um another thing that drove me a little crazy is the play calling uh i, I gotta say i'm so sick of third and nine screen passes i feel like i'm watching goddamn josh mcdaniels be the <laughs> offensive coordinator for this team um, it's driving me crazy, man, but I don't want to get too negative about it. Well, hold on before you get positive. Can I, can I chime in with my negatives? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, and I say this because 
There have been a couple of wins this year that Patriot fans have celebrated, and you yourself have said, "Yeah, that that's not like that's not a really good win. That's a the W, but it's it's an ugly win." This was an ugly win. Mm-hmm. Let's just go over the fact that uh, the Dallas point totals. First quarter, 18 points. Second quarter, six points. Third quarter, three, fourth, nothing. They let the, uh, the the football team of Washington walk right back into that game with Kyle Allen looking like an actual pro quarterback in the fourth quarter. I think a couple of things that stand out. If you if you look at like the the dog days of uh, of Green Bay when when McCarthy was still there, where the where the offense looked just like one dimensional, it was seam routes, out route, maybe like a a hitch. That's what you're seeing in Dallas. Except he should not be ruining Dak Prescott right now. Dak is everything that you say that he is and more. But when you when you look at at, at his stats for the week. 22 of 39 for 211 yards, one touchdown and two picks. That's atrocious. And they are the front runner in that division. They should blow out. And now I know, you know, Ron Rivera has that team coached up pretty well. They do, you know, the, uh, Washington does fare pretty well against, uh, against good teams, especially when they are the underdog. They're frisky for sure. And, and divisional games are always, are, are, are always close. But the hallmark of a, of a championship team, and you've said this before, is you beat the teams that you're supposed to handily. Yep. That did not happen this week. So it, it was it was like a cardiac. I mean, it, it was a cardiac episode in the fourth corner. You got to win. I, I get it. Nine and four. That, that that's awesome. But I walk at, at, as an objective uh, football fan when it comes to the Cowboys and not the Patriots. I walk out of this game and say. You were lucky to get out of it. Let's hope that they learn from that and they don't just say, well, you know, we want a win's a win. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Uh, the hallmark, like we've always said, hallmark of championship teams is the first thing, like you just said, is beating teams you should beat and you beat them well. You look like you're a better team than them. The other thing is when a team is down, you take your foot and you put it on their throat and you don't let them get back up. Those two things are so concerning. It, it, it so the biggest thing you remember at the beginning of the season with this team was like, I was like, this seems different. This seems like a team that does handle business. This seems like a team because that's what they were doing. They're playing crappy teams. They beat the absolute shit out of them. They're playing good teams. And when they had them down, they put their foot on their throat and they kept them down. You look at the Patriots game that we, we were very resilient in that game. We came back. Um, there, there was a lot of things that were encouraging. You look at the Giants game. We smoked them when we should have. You look at the Chargers game, we took care of business. The Panthers took care of business. Second half of the season has been a completely different story, man. You look at the Raiders game, 36 points to a team that hasn't even scored 13 points since. Um, <laughs> you look at the, this past game where we were up 24 to nothing and win 30 to 23. Like it's just, or what was it, 20? 27-20. 27-20, yeah. 27-20. Um, it, it's just these things that keep rearing their ugly head that's been things that have been driving me crazy about this team for five, ten years. It just seems like they cannot go away. They can't. We can't do it. We can't get rid of it. We can't. Is, so I mean, over the last five or ten years, right? Like this isn't the same coach. The Clapper's gone. So what is it? What is it about uh, when? And it's not all the time. Like I'm not shitting on the Cowboys, right? 
But there, there are some games when they do get off to that early lead that they do let the pedal off, they, they do let their foot off the gas. As a, as the resident, you know, uh, Cowboys fan, why? Like, what is the reoccurring pattern here, and how do they fix it? Um, I, so in past years it was a defense, but that's not the thing this year. Uh, past years, you know, we we would get very lackadaisical on defense. We would stop blitzing. We would stop doing the things that were going well, and the game script would just flip. That's what happened. Year in and year out. Now what's happening is uh, it's inexplicable, honestly. And it's not something I'd ever say, thought I'd say. But that offense just gets so stagnant, man. And it, it's, it seems like every time we get the ball, it's third and long before we even realize it. You know what I mean? It's all of a sudden, it's two shitty run plays, third and nine. Dak makes a crappy pass. We're punting the ball. And they have the ball back. It just seems like that's when we get into that um, let's control the ball mindset. We don't have the run game that we used to. And all of a sudden, Dak's not making those same throws that he was making at the beginning of the year. And all of a sudden, the team's back in the game. Are you, uh, sorry to interrupt you, are you worried about uh, Zeke? I asked that because this is the third game in a row where he's averaging less than four yards a carry. So yes. Mr. Three-Point whatever seems to be rearing his ugly head. Yeah, no, I, I'm worried about Zeke. Um, the only thing that makes me not worry is that I think Tony Pollard is an excellent running back. Um I I do think that they are trying to keep Zeke fresh and healthy. Uh, the offensive line isn't doing him much favor, but at the same time, listen, if, if people are saying that Zeke is still Zeke that we knew, they're absolutely kidding themselves because it's he's he's clearly not the Ezekiel Elliott that he was two, three years ago. He doesn't have the same burst. He doesn't have the same um, impact on the game on a game-to-game basis. He's pretty much in there now as a, a power running back who's really good at pass blocking. You know, he's not that same, let's get Zeke the ball 25 to 30 times a game, and, and, and he's going to dominate. That, that's, that's not even a semblance of a conversation anymore. Now, it's just, let's get him through healthy, uh, because I, I feel like he's more of like a leadership impact on this team at this point. Because I honestly believe, and I've been saying it all year, uh, my other buddy who's a cowboy said, Tony Pollard's a better running back at this point than Ezekiel Elliott. I feel more confident when they hand the ball off to Tony Pollard than I do when they hand the ball off to Zeke. I have to say. Yeah. So a, a couple of things. Do you think he's better or do you think he's, do you think he looks better because he's different? Right. I think that, I think you're right. You know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to fit Zeke into this power back role when the thing that made Zeke so unbelievable was his ability to cut and then explode. Yeah. And it, it feels like they're taking away his, uh, his ability to cut. It's just run right up the middle. That's really not what he's good at. It's not his strength. He's better than I am, sure. But like that's not that's not like that's not his strength, right? It's you 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 let him go out there and you and you you uh, you know you design those stretch plays or those or, or those off tackle plays to let him get in space and then make somebody miss and then he because he has flashes where every once in a while, yeah. you know, like when he when he does have those twenty three carries in a game. You know, six of them, you're like, man, is he still so good. But when they limit him to 12 or 13 carries, and it's all the same power running up the middle, that's not him. He's not Jerome Bettis. Yeah, no, he's definitely not. There, I, I have noticed that, too. Is they're using him more um, as a first and second down back rather than what he used to be, where he, he's great at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's great at, like you said, those one-cut runs. Um especially when we, when we, uh, 
when we have run the counter, we would bring the yes. guard around to that, bro. Yeah, all day. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I am worried, but at the same time, I'm not because I think Tony Pollard is the guy that's going to get us there. I'm more worried about Pollard's injury and how that affects our explosiveness than about Zeke. Zeke's there. Uh, he's a great pass blocker now. Like I said, he's just not that explosive running back anymore. The reason yeah. that I'm not worried, though, let me get to it, is this guy. Is this goddamn defensive line, man. I have never seen a Cowboys defensive line play like this. All right. You look at, um, so let's see here. That defensive line, Dan Quinn must have been absolutely salivating at the mouth. Because first of all, we took Antonio Gibson, who had been averaging 89 yards a game the past three weeks. um, About six missed tackles. He had about 315 uh, plus yards runs a game. To the against the Cowboys, 36 yards, two yards after contact, only one missed tackle all game, and not one run of more than 15 yards. I give all the credit to that healthy defensive line. Plus, Neville Ga- Gallimore had a sack. Demarcus Lawrence had a sack. Randy Gregory had an amazing interception. Micah Parsons, who it may might be one of the best defensive players I've ever seen. Uh, I know it's <laughs> early. I know. But my God, I have never seen a guy have a big of an impact, uh, at least on the Cowboys. All right, I'll preface this. Never seen a guy have that big of an impact on the defensive side of the ball in the Cowboys. Every single game, this guy does something to turn the tide of the game. It's every single time. Um, I just think when you think back to past teams that are modeled around that defensive line, I think we're just as good of a defensive line as those Giants teams that gave the Patriots fits all those years. Um, I I think this defensive line, once it gets into the playoffs, will be able to make some noise, and we're going to stop some very decent quarterbacks because they're not going to be able to throw the goddamn ball. You know what I mean? And when they do, they're going to be forcing it into Trevon Diggs. So I I really think this defense, if the Cowboys offense can play ball control football, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's, It's wild to me. But I actually think that this defense can carry us into the playoffs and carry us far because it, it's absurd how good that D line is right now, man. Absurd. Two uncalled for shots at Patriots and Patriot fans. Uh, this 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 episode already, like already, we've been here for ten minutes. I ranked them number one. All right, I got to uh, hold my on. Shots no, that, in, no, bro. no, no, big, no, big market tease. Uh, but you you pointed out there last week. Uh, you you pointed out their loss uh, to the Cowboys. You said the Giants fan you know, that they gave us fits. Great. What I will say is this defense is, I mean, uh, is it Micah or I think it's, is it Micah or Mika? Micah. <clears throat> Micah Parsons, right? Mika, Mika's from uh, Road Trip. Not Road Trip, Euro Trip. I think he is <laughs> the most impactful rookie on the defensive side of the ball since J.J. Watt. I think that's fair to say. I mean, I think you just have, you, you have to scheme for just him. And when you do that, I mean, you compromise yourself against, uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. And then if you try and throw the ball, then you have Trayvon Diggs, who my favorite part about him is he will take risks and he's going to lose, you know, 30% of the time. But man, like those other 70%, when he knows he has you and he, it looks like there's all this leeway and all of a sudden he either breaks up the pass, picks it off or knocks it out of your hand. It's like, man, like that, that he's skilled. Your your biggest deficiency, let's just call it what it is, is your coach. You, it is. 
He the man only won one with arguably one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time in Green Bay. And now he's he's running the risk of uh, you, just just shut up, dude. Like don't oh we're we're gonna win. Just shut you your fat mouth. Stop talking. Let your players go out there and play. And you, you have lit there. There has literally only been three coaches in the last 10 years that I believe have less of an impl- impact on, on the actual team, but he's one of them. I hate him. I think Dan Quinn should be your, 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 your head coach moving forward. And I, because I don't, I think he knows enough to, to say, listen, I'm not an offensive guru. Let's bring in someone that can, that, that can manage Dak in the run game and the pass game. He won't screw it up. And that defense will still be, you know, what it is right now. I mean, they went from the absolute worst defense in the league to now they will win you games and they'll win you more often than they won't so they just won us the game the 100 percent that game is accredited to that defense without that uh, that fumble recovery for a touchdown without the sacks without the fumble at the end of the game who knows maybe washington goes right down the field and ties that game if we don't force that fumble at the end so 100 percent they won us this game I do want to, before we move on to anything else, I do want to talk about Micah Parsons real quick because this guy, listen, when when I compare him to some of the best defensive players in the game or, or some of the best defensive seasons we've seen over the last 10 years, it's actually comparable when you look at what this guy is doing. Right now, he's averaging almost five pressures per game. In the 2016 Khalil Mack season, which we all see as one of the best defensive seasons we've ever seen, he averaged yeah, yeah. six pressures a game. Michael Parsons is averaging six tackles a game. Khalil Mack had three tackles a game that season. Michael Parsons is forcing a quarter of a fumble. So he's forcing a fumble every four games, which is right on par with that Mack season. Right on par with the 2018 Aaron Donald season. It's just what he's doing as a rookie is so absurd because he absolutely already is a top five to ten defensive player in the league. Yep. As as a rookie. So I, I have to say I've never been happier to be wrong about a pick in my entire life. Cause I, I'm sure you guys remember I wanted Sertan bad. Bad I wanted him. And yes, he's awesome, but my God, he is not Dak Prescott, or not Dak, not Micah Parsons, not even close to Micah Parsons. I mean, that's why, like, having a, a linebacker or someone like Micah Parsons, that he makes your secondary better yeah. because he forces yep. throws under duress, which, you know, again, um, I, I, listen, I, I can get on board. Uh, you, you have less of a sales pitch to make to me for uh, him being rookie of the year or whatever award you want to give him than you did last year for Peyton Pritchard. So, like, I'm on board. I, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> You know I love my rookies, bro. Yeah, I know. I, I'm on board with that. Um, okay. So 27-20, Dallas over the football team. They uh, Cowboys go to 9-4, and 5-2 and two away. Washington, 6-7. and seven. Again, they're, they're, that, they're that purgatory, right? They're, they are one or two players. Chase Young being hurt uh, that does not help. But they are a uh, either a star quarterback or a uh, one- one more star defensive player away from being a 10 and 7, 11 and 6 team. So here's a question. If if Fitz doesn't get hurt, because remember, they started the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their I starting know. quarterback. Is, is, is it about the same with Heineke? Heineke hasn't been that bad, right? I, I think it's about the same with Fitz than it was with Heineke, right? 
So I think it's probably the same. The difference, uh, uh, the difference is <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick will put you in bad, in bad positions because he thinks he, he can, he can overcome them. Heineke due to his inexperience might not know that it's a bad one and, and might get you in trouble. But I think, you know, if, if you call everything even, he's better with the football. He's more protective and he's faster. I think his arm's better. I think he's the guy that, that, that you want, that, that you'd rather go with. But, you know, I don't know that he's a, a top 10. I hope that in 10 years we can re- reference back to this and, and I'm wrong. But I think Taylor Harnicky might just turn out to be, you know, like a, an Andy Dalton or a John Kitna or something like that where he's good, but he's just not good enough to get you to the next tier. Fair enough. Other games that happened over the weekend that are, I, I think are noteworthy. Uh, I think we, we need to talk about the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, there's no chronological order here that we're going. Um, but, you know, th- the Ravens, obviously, they needed a win. Uh, things are not going uh, their way in this game, especially with the injury to Lamar. They were positioned uh, from a standing standpoint as you're one of the top two teams in the, in the AFC. And they lose 24-22 to the Cleveland Browns. And I think that this is more of a, a of an instance where the Ravens lost more than the Browns win. Although you know a, a win's a win, I think Baker he put he put his team in, a, in an okay position to win. He didn't really he didn't really kill them. But Lamar Jackson goes down after going four for four for seventeen yards. Uh, Tyler Huntley comes in, and honestly, he looked pretty good. Like the, he was not the reason why they lost that game. So my question to you would be, regardless of, I, I know that you're going to factor Lamar Jackson being injured as a reason as to why the, the Ravens aren't good anymore. Whereas I would say that it's probably more of a positive in, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. What's, like, what, what happened to the Ravens? And does this win propel the Browns to, to you know, taking a hold of that division? Um, so what happened to the Ravens is I think that they've been, I think they're kind of fraudulent, man. I, I've thought this all season. If you look at their wins, they have at least three to four wins that they had no business winning the games. Um, there's been multiple times where they're down two, three scores, and that's when they turn it on. They come back, make that comeback, and they come back and win the game. And I, I just don't think that that's a uh, recipe to be a successful football team. It never has been, never will be. Listen, the Cowboys tried it for years. Ask Tony Romo. It never works out. Um, I also think that Lamar, listen, man, uh, I, I love Lamar Jackson. I, I think he is a all-pro athlete. Athlete. Yep. I, I don't think he's an all-pro quarterback. I don't. And and it, it's he does have games where he makes amazing throws, where he's very consistent and on point 100% of the time. But he also has games. Listen, he got hurt, so we can't rag on him too much for this game. But last game, he had four interceptions, man. Game before that, he missed some big wide-open throws. So it's it's not the fact that I don't think he's a great athlete. I just don't know if he's consistent enough at the quarterback position to bring you to a title. I, I really don't. Um, and, and I think when you look at how they looked without Lamar, uh, listen, Tyler Huntley's not anything to write home about either. But I don't didn't see much of a difference between Tyler Huntley Ravens and the Lamar Jackson Ravens. And and this even goes back to two, three weeks ago against the Bears. 
that time, that Ravens team wasn't bad. They beat the Bears without Lamar Jackson. And the two games since then that Lamar has played, they're 0-2. And Lamar had four interceptions in one of them. So I just think, listen, I'm not saying Huntley should play over Lamar. I just think when you look at it, you need to temper your expectations from Lamar moving forward because I don't know if he's ever going to be that quarterback who's going to be able to beat you with his arm. Granted, his legs his legs are better than 99% of the legs out there. You know, and he can beat you with his legs. What do, what do we know about Lamar Jackson, right? Like, as you just said, he's an all-world talent, um, and he's he's one of the, I mean, one of the fastest, quickest uh, men I've ever seen on the football field. But when is the last time that that skill set at the quarterback position won a Super Bowl? Never. Never, right? And... Yeah, I know. Like, I'm, I'm the guy that's been preaching since the, the inception of this show. So over 100 episodes now that says the reason, like the, the best player on a Super Bowl winning team cannot be a quarter, uh, cannot be a running back. That so if if your predominant skill set is that you are an elusive, rushing quarterback, that applies to you. You it, it you can't. Now they could have a stacked defense and they can win. That's fine, but what we've seen over over every single playoff game that that, that Lamar has is those teams have an answer for him when it comes to running the ball. They make him throw, and six out of ten times he can't make that throw. So what do you do? I mean, the, the Ravens are are in a really interesting uh, position, I think, right? Because let's say. That Lamar comes back, he plays really well. They go to the playoffs, and then they lose the first game. And Lamar puts up a stat line like he, like he will, you know, like he, or like he has in the past of seventeen for thirty-eight for one hundred and ninety-five yards passing, one touchdown, one pick with sixty yards rushing. What do you do? Do you do you bank on him? Is he the guy that you build your team around? And is that skill set the uh, uh, the type that you build your team around, or do you make do you make a move? Like my hot take is. It's not that, I mean, if you've been listening, it's not that hard to take. They will never win a championship because of Lamar at quarterback. And I don't think he will be worth the money that he will be asking when he becomes a free agent. That's when it's going to happen is, is that free agent year. I don't know what, what's his contract looking right now. Um, I do know that I, I think you're completely right. I don't think he'll ever be the reason they win a Super Bowl. I mean, he might win one. He might win one. Yeah, I, I agree. He might win one, but I don't think it would, it would be because of him. I think it would be more of like a, uh, I don't want to compare him to Peyton, but it'd be more of like a Peyton where he gets carried there by his defense. Um, he'll make a few plays to get him there, uh, but he won't be the primary reason. I completely agree with that. Uh, Lamar Jackson's contract currently, typed in stats. Um, I agree that I don't think he's going to be worth the money that, Four year won't become a free agent until 2023, so two years. Um, yeah, so let's put it this way if they go two more years, right, with this same trend where they they fall behind in games, they need Lamar to save them. Uh, he does sometimes, but sometimes he's gar- garbage. He he can't win those primetime games. We go through this same thing for the next two years. What do you do? You, you can't resign him, you can't because. He's going to be asking uh, at least 
Yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna say 30, 35 million a year. Right. Um, maybe even more because Dak's what, 36 a year? Yep. So he's going to be asking probably 40. You can't pay Lamar Jackson $40 million to be your quarterback. I love him, but that takes away from so many other aspects of your team. Um, yeah, you can't do that. You can't, you cannot pay this guy 40 mil. I, I don't know what else will be out there is the thing, though. That, that's that's when it comes to quarterbacks. Is like, is it worth it? No. Is there an option out there that's more worth it? That's the question. Yeah, well, when you say more worth it, I mean, I, I think if you can spend $6 million a year on a quarterback, like, a, again, not him per se, but like a uh, Tyler Huntley, as opposed to a $40 million a year on, on Lamar Jackson and then spend elsewhere, I think I think you have to I think that you have to you know think long and hard about that. I think the biggest the biggest thing whenever we see uh, like a backup quarterback come in, right? It's okay. So they always everyone has their go to. How do they react to a new quarterback? Mark Andrews, eleven catches, one hundred and fifteen yards and a touchdown, eight of which came from from Huntley. Rashard Bateman, seven catches, 100 yards. You got Marquise Brown, five catches. So he spread the ball around. And oh, by the way, he's pretty accurate, 27 of 38 for 270. And he's a backup. So what that tells me is, you know, again, I think Lamar is a world-class athlete. I think he's a generational talent. But we've seen this before. I don't think he's the exception to the rule. Now, on the flip side, you have the Cleveland Browns eking out a victory over their division rival to move to seven and six. Baker doesn't play great, doesn't play horrible. You know, the uh, the uh, Cleveland could not run the ball, uh, but you know, the Ravens have a really good rush defense. What what's going on with the Browns? I, I guess, in your opinion, is this uh, was this game a just a tale of two teams that don't really have a a great or definitive direction. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Um, I, I do know Baker's hurt, so I, I know a lot of people have been ragging on Baker this season. Listen, I, I really just think it's an it's they just feel like Baker's the better option, even with uh, I think it's a torn shoulder muscle. Um, even with that injury, he's still a better option than Case Keenum as their quarterback. So sure. I'm not going to put too much on Baker for the struggle so far this year. Um, I, I do think that Cleveland, when they're healthy, they can have one of the they can be one of the more dangerous teams in the NFL because of that run game that they have. Because they have two running backs who are legitimately possibly ten, top ten running backs in the league. Um, they have a great defense. I, I just don't know what's wrong with them this year. I, I really don't. Um, seven and six, they're one spot out of the playoffs. And I, I do think that Stefanski's a great coach, too. So I, I like Cleveland great. better than I like Baltimore. Um, I, if, if you were to ask me right now, make me put money on who's winning that division, I think I would take Cleveland over Baltimore. Because if you look at who Baltimore has next, they have Green Bay. No chance they're beating Green Bay, in my opinion. Not a, not a chance in hell. Uh, Cle- Cleveland has Las Vegas. We don't know what Las Vegas team is going to show up. Is it the team that put 36 in the Cowboys? Probably not, because that team's not showing up again. Um, I, I think Cleveland's going to take over that division lead this week. I do. And I think that's it for Baltimore. Um, here's a question for you. Baltimore doesn't make the playoffs. How about it's not on the hot seat, right? He's, no. he's there. Okay. No. Right. Yeah, I, I think 
I think he is a top five, top three coach in the NFL. I, I, if, if you just look at what he's done with that team since he took over, you know, different quarterbacks, you know, they had to change over their entire defense, overhaul their entire offense, and they're always in consideration at the end. That's really all, all, that, all that you can do and all, all that you can want. And my biggest, the biggest thing I'll say about Harbaugh, which scares me the most as, as a Patriot fan, is that man is fearless. He does not care who you are or what you've done. He knows at any given time he can get his team to walk into your stadium and beat the ever-loving bag off of you. And there, there just aren't a lot of coaches in the league still that, that can do that. Agreed. I like Harbaugh. Um, I, I also like how, how his reckless confidence, where he doesn't give a damn what the situation is. He trusts... So that's the thing with Lamar is he does trust Lamar more than yeah. anything. You know what I mean? Like fourth and one, biggest situation of the game, that two-point conversion, he looks right at Lamar and says, what do you want to do? You want to go for it? Let's go. And, and and it goes from there, which is something that, you know, that kind of chemistry between a quarterback and a coach, you, you know, you, that just takes time to develop, and they definitely have it there. Um, but, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't. I say I just don't believe in Baltimore this Do you, year. I don't. There's so many games where you're watching it and you're like, "What the hell is wrong with this team? Yeah. They're so bad," uh, and then they end up winning it. So I, I just don't know. I, against a good team like the Patriots or against a good team like the Packers or the Chiefs, I don't see Baltimore hanging in there like that. Cam Newton and the Patriots beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens last year. So that's all you need to know about that. Um, what what I will ask. Uh, yeah, my question to you would be, you know, th- that faith and that belief that we are, that 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 NFL films and the media is project is just projecting about Harbaugh to Lamar. Do you think that is because of the narrative out there that Lamar cannot win them a game or, or a playoff game or a Super Bowl? So you, you think he's overcompensating? Yeah, in a situation, I I think the coach has to be the guy to say like this doesn't make the most sense to do this. Instead of saying, what do you want to do? We'll do it. You know what I mean? That's true. I never thought of it that way. Um, yeah. No, that, that's a very good possibility. I like that. Um, do, do you think that's an actual thing? I I think that Harbaugh is a wise enough coach in 2021 to know that it's hard for a player uh, of Lamar's stature to not hear what's being said about him. So he... He combats that with, I have, you know, this is your offense. We will do whatever you think is right. You're my guy. Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, he's attaching his, his, his name to, to living and dying by Lamar, which is noble. I think that that's, I think that it's great, but I don't I mean, as again, I have to wonder, like, we never saw this with Flacco, right? Harbaugh made the decision and, and that was it. Now, it's like, oh, there's this narrative that maybe Lamar can't win you a game or like a playoff game. Maybe, you know, it's this, maybe it's that. And all we see is, I trust him, whatever you, whatever he wants to do. It feels like it's a little bit of a of an overcompensation, but, you know, I don't know that. Kind of like the Cam Newton bill thing. I love Cam Newton. Hardest worker in the building. Yep. I mean, just, I mean, just like Chad Ochocinco back in 2011, right? I mean, <laughs> just such a great player in practice. Can't, just can't fucking line up in a game. But he's so good in practice, man. Like just hard worker. <laughs> I like it. Can we talk? Can we talk now about about the game that I think 
when, at the beginning of it, we were all like, yeah, like it's bad. And then toward, it became a game at the end, the, the Buccaneers and the Bills. Yeah. Yeah. Buccaneers, it, they, they held on, you know, 33 to uh, 27. They let up a monstrous uh, a fourth quarter uh, push to tie that game at 27. But then if you give Brady the ball in overtime, you know, again, eight times out of 10, we know what's going to happen. I think Brady at 44 to go 31 of 46 for 363 and two touchdowns, no picks. Oh, and by the way, seven carries for 16 yards in that game. Like it's unbelievable what he what he continues to do. And if you look at uh and if you just look at the receivers, I mean, five receivers had more than more than three catches. He, he he's still doing what we all thought he was gonna do, and he's still the same player that, that he was. 10 years ago, some, you know, some might say that he's better, but let's talk before we get into, uh, the Brady, you know, filleting of, of the, of the show. The weekly ritual. Yeah. I mean, now they fought towards the end and that's commendable. Are the, is it wrong of me to think that the bills might be a little, it'll broken. Like, no. it just seems like the, you know, the beginning of the game, they're down what? They're down twenty-four to three, and they made a comeback. That's it, it, it's again, it's commendable. But I don't know, man. Like that coach, I think he's so rattled by the fact that he is not looked at the same way that Bill is, or you know, Andy Reid or other coaches in the league. And then Josh Allen again, million-dollar arm. But sometimes he makes really bad decisions, and. And and that defense, I'm sorry, it's not that good. It's not. I mean, the Patriots run 43 out of 49 uh, total offensive plays for, what, 200 rushing yards? And then the next game, you allow Leonard Fournette to rush the, to rush the ball less than 20 times and gain 113 yards and score a touchdown. What, like, what are you doing? So my question to you, Bobby, is, is it an overreaction for me to believe that the Bills might just be a little broken? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think your Doug McDermott take is right on point when it comes to that coach. Uh, I think he's the one that's broken, man. Uh, listen, Josh Allen's great. The defense is really good, or they were really good. Um, they have great weapons on offense. I really think that McDermott is broken. I don't know if you saw him after this game as well, but apparently he was very emotional after this loss. Um, and also, bro, you look at what they did to lose this game. Okay. First of all, <laughs> you're down 24 to three in the first half. All right. You ran the ball zero times. All right. You don't listen. That's not how this works. Mr. McDermott. You don't need to balance out all the runs you faced last week with just all passes this week. That's not the way it works. Second of all, you have fourth and what was it? Fourth and one in overtime. Um, what are you doing punting the ball back to Tom Brady? <laughs> are you out of your God? Di- do you actually think that you are going to stop Tom Brady when all he needs is a field goal in overtime? Like that's, that's I mean, actually what he was thinking in his head is like, all right, you know, you know what? We'll punt this ball back to Tom Brady. We'll stop Tom Brady. And then we'll win the like, bro. No. That will never work in the history of Tom Brady's career. It has never been a good idea. 
give this man the ball back, especially when he is 33 and three lifetime against your team. He dominates the Bills. You don't think when Tom Brady was getting that ball back, he wasn't like, all right, here we go. Guaranteed. All the Bucks fans were thinking, all right, thank you, Mr. McDermott, for that W. So it, it's just, I, I do think McDermott is broken, bro. I, I think that that's, that is a fact. Um, and Belichick did it. It, it. It's just absurd to me how many teams Bill Belichick really has broken, how many players he's broken. He broke Zach Wilson. He broke, um, he, he broke Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, that's what I meant. Sam and Zach yeah. Wilson, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> the, the thing about it is, though, you know, the Bills ran it pretty well. Now, the, 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 the condition there is that Josh Allen was their leading rusher, 12 carries, 109 yards. But every other rusher for the Bills averaged more than four yards a carry. Devin Singletary, four rushes for 52 yards. And they just wouldn't do it. They just would yeah. not commit to the run. So, I mean, this team goes from what being seven and four to now they're seven and six and they're fighting for a playoff spot. Maybe they got to play the Packers this week too. Oh, uh, wait a minute! I thought you just said that. Uh, that the Baltimore Raiders... plays Packers. You're right. I lied. Yeah, uh, they play. I don't know who they play, but oh, the Panthers. They play the Panthers this week. They should win. Um. But yeah, no, I agree. That- they definitely they he's they're broken, man. There's no doubt about that. Um, listen, the fact that Josh Allen had uh, over a hundred yards against um the the Bucks this past week, yet barely ran the ball and 55 mile an hour wins the week before is absurd. I don't know. I really feel like it's one of those things where, um, you know, when so it, I'm going to compare it to fantasy football. We're going to do that for a second. Where you you have a guy, right? You don't play him one week. And you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I didn't play that guy. You know he's not going to put up that same production the next week. But you put him in your lineup anyways. He ends up getting you two points. And you're like, god damn, I knew it. I knew it. And the next week he has a great matchup. You take him out, and he scores 36 again. (laughs) That's what I feel like the Bills are doing with, with Josh Allen is they're just overreacting to what happened the week before. It's like, you know, you should have done all these things last week. Like, you had a game plan that you should have stuck to the week before, but instead, you put it into this game, and it just, it, it just fucked everything up. I don't know what the hell happened with the Bills, man. I really don't. I mean, the, now, McDermott's a really good coach. I think he's a really good coach. I do think that his uh, self-worth is a little, little too high. Like, I get it. Like, you've been there for five years. They've been in the playoffs for three or four of those years. Awesome. First time since 96. You should probably win a Super Bowl before you say, yeah, I mean, before we give all the credit to Belichick, like, it's, 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 it's not on him. It's on the players. Oh. Oh, because, again, not, not, not to, you know, tout my, my Patriots uh, footsie pajamas here. That man told you he was going to run the ball up your, like down your throat 44 times. Stop me. And you couldn't do it. And then the next week, they choose to run it 30 times for 140 yards and two touchdowns. And you couldn't 
stop it. So I don't know what it, if it's, uh, if it's ego, if it's pride or whatever, but I think he's a really good coach, but he's getting his ass handed to him over the last couple of weeks. Just, I mean, just a fact. I mean, you look at what Andy did to them. I think that was the start of it. That team beat the ever loving piss out of the bills and the bills are a more skilled team. They should be tougher. Nope. They're not. So, you know, Tom did, did us, uh, the, the, the biggest favor that he could do, uh, since he, he took his talents to, to Tampa. And I mean, he made the road really tough for the, for the bills. Now in a couple of weeks, when the bills come here, you know, like that could, they could be fighting for their playoff lives. Two weeks ago, we were talking about how the next two meetings with the bills wow. could determine the division. Sorry, I have I, I just realized something. So the Bills 100% to go back and like definitively answer the question, they're broken. So you look at how they started. They started out this season. Uh, let's see. One are uh, 0 and 1, 1 and 1, 2 and 1, 3 and 1, 4 and 1. 4 and 1 and then 5 and 2 after they beat the Dolphins, right? Enter November. They play <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars. Lose nine to six. Is that is that a crazy? What did Rayshon call it? Um, when it's when it's not not the norm. An aberration. An aberration. Thank you. Perfect word. Is that an aberration? Yeah, probably was. You know, showed it when they beat the Jets the next week. It's not an aberration when you lose forty-one to fifteen against the Colts at home. At right. home. Then then at home. Then you go ahead and play the Saints. Saints are garbage. You win 31 to 6. Awesome. Patriots game was next. 14 to 10. No passes thrown. Then the Bucks game. So in their last six games, they have lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, got blown out at home against the Indianapolis Colts, right? Lost at home to the New England Patriots, giving up two pass plays all game. And then you fall down 24 to three against the Buccaneers, make that comeback and end up losing that game anyways. So yes, to answer that question definitively, the bills are 100% broken. You can't, you can't lose three games at home after the month of the, or two games at home in the month of November. Also a game to a team who has two wins this season. And then also a game that you made a 24 to three point comeback and then punted the ball back to the GOAT in overtime to lose. <laughs> yes, they're broken. So I, I think that that, per- that that perfectly segues us into the playoff picture in the NFL. I think we, we learned a little bit, you know, a lot uh, this past week. Uh, and, you know, again, the Patriots didn't play. But if you're, if you're just looking at uh, how, how the, each conference is shaping out, right now we have the Patriots at the one seed in the AFC, Titans with the two, Kansas City with the three, Baltimore with the four, Chargers five, Colts six, Bills clinging on to that seventh. Is that how you see uh, the the AFC shaping up, or uh, do you think do you actually believe that either Cleveland or Cincinnati could overtake Baltimore for that spot? I, I do. So, ooh, Baltimore, right? So I think I, I think Cleveland does end up jumping Baltimore to get that playoff spot. I think that happens this week because, like we said, they have the tiebreaker with Baltimore, right? 
Um, so I do think they end up jumping that this week. The two teams I would look out for is Cincinnati and Buffalo. I think it's going to come down to it with those two and those last couple playoff spots. I guess Indy too, because um, they could lose this week to New England. Indy's in the sixth seed. I mean, yeah, so I, I like I like Cleveland or Cincinnati to overtake Buffalo. Like I said, man, I think that they're absolutely broken. Um, and I also think Baltimore is broken too. I think Baltimore and Buffalo are the two teams that are there right now that I don't think you're going to see them there come the end of the season. Um, Patriots and the Chiefs are the two teams that beat in the AFC, right? There's, that's, that's 100% definitive. There's no one, I think, that compares to those two right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, but the Chiefs are, I mean, if, if they are what we saw this past week in their 49-8 to eight or 48-9 to nine win over, uh, over Vegas, then they're then they are then the then they're the team to beat because their defense, which was absolutely atrocious in the first six weeks, has been you know lights out relative uh, relatively speaking since. And there's not any team in the AFC that can that can get into a you know like a pissing contest with them offensively. You can't do that. Uh, the Patriots definitely can't. And then, you know, I think the Titans getting healthy right now. That makes things interesting, but only only if Tannehill plays like he did last year in the early part of the year, and not and not like he needs to win you the game right now. I, I think too much is on his plate, and we know that we know what Ryan Tannehill is. I think we all do. Right? He's he's fine. Right? They they, they need they need help elsewhere. But if Derrick Henry comes back, Tannehill goes back to managing games. You know, higher completion percentage. I think they're 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 a real team to be uh, scared of. But but in reality, Bobby, I'm sure you agree. If if we're talking about a Chiefs team that can put up 28 points in in less than a quarter, I mean, it's it doesn't matter. It really it really to quote the great one, it really doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, agreed. It's 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 scary with the way the Chiefs are looking, man, because. Right now, they're not winning games like we're used to them winning. You know what I mean? That this one this past week was the first game pretty much all season that the Chiefs offense was wow. You know what I mean? That you looked at their offense, you're like, oh, man, that's crazy. Before that, man, it was all defense. It was all ball control. And if the Chiefs can win a game by ball control and by shutting the other team out, they're going to be very hard to beat come playoff time because if you have to play against a possible ball control offense but then also have to keep in the back of your head that they could throw 80 yards downfield and and put up 48 any given night but also hold you under 20 points that's gonna be tough to beat man it's gonna be tough to beat um i think the pass can do it though i have to say man i listen i have over this season i have gone through a roller coaster with the patriots because listen at the beginning they looked awful they looked awful, but in a season where week to week you do not see teams execute on a week to week basis, you do not see teams win on a week to week basis. You don't see the same consistency from any of these top teams, except for the New England Patriots. <laughs> That's why they got my number one last week. Is because, listen, man, there's no one, no one in the league that I have more confidence in. In knowing what is going to be seen that week. Every single week, the Patriots are who they are. 
Mac Jones is going to have a high completion percentage. Ramondre and Damian Harris are going to shove it down your throat. And the defense is going to do everything they can to stop you and probably succeed. That's what they're going to do every single week. And you know that. You don't know that with the rest of the NFL. Literally, there's not one other team in the league that if you were to make a consistency rankings, I would even come close to putting near New England. Because that's that's the way they're playing right now. It's just consistently solid football. And the only team in the league doing it. So that's why I, I really do have faith in this Patriots team, and I do. I appreciate you saying that. I also hate that you're saying that because I loved, I just loved all the hate that you were throwing our way earlier in the year, and now here we are. Listen, good, good football is good football, man. The league is just so stupid, dude. Like there are so there are like there are a couple exceptions to the rule. Yeah, so it's not everybody. But I mean, Belichick again. I mean, if he's not coach of the year this year, then it's rigged because he should be. Um, he just puts everyone in a position to win. Now, whether they do or not, that's that's up to them, right? They still have to execute. I get it. But you look at <laughs> you just look at teams like. Uh, like the Buffalo Bills, like the Cincinnati Bengals, like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they just make so many stupid decisions all the time that cost you the that cost you a game. I think Belichick is famous for saying that before you win a game in the NFL, you you just can't lose one. Like that's how he coaches. Don't lose it, and because he knows that if if his team again eight times out of ten makes no mistakes, they're going to win. Always, they're, they're just going to. So it's it's really good to see. But it, I think, you know, just the road opening up. I talked about this last time. Like it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, you get you have one armed Baker Mayfield. You have no Julio, no Derrick Henry. Tennessee Titans coming in. I I mean the 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 ground is just or the road's just being paved for the Patriots to make a deep playoff run. I hope they do. But it all I think it all comes back to coaching. On the NFC side, I know that we want to get to to your power rankings. If the season were to end today, here's how the NFC would go. Number one, Green Bay Packers. Fucking frauds. Two, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Three, Cardinals. Four, Cowboys. Five, Rams. Six, Niners. And seven, Washington football team. Now, on the fringe at six and seven are the Minnesota Vikings, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Atlanta Falcons, and the New Orleans Saints. So what happens? Is, is that what we're going to see it towards the end of the year? Or who do you think makes a, makes a push or who, who falls off a cliff? I'll tell you what. The difference in the quality of the so top five NFC teams, I'd say, are better than the top five AFC teams, right? Top to bottom. You look at those six and seven seeds, and it is just a, 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 a dump off, man. You, you go from the Rams to San Francisco, Washington, Minnesota, Philadelphia. The, let's just put it this way. The fact that Atlanta and New Orleans are both still in prime positions to get into those wild card spots tells you all you need to know about the bottom of the NFC. Um, they're, they're garbage. The, the, the bottom of the NFC is absolute garbage, which is why, to me, it's so important for the Cowboys to get out of this goddamn four seed, man. <laughs> so important. Listen, you're telling me I have a chance to play San Francisco, Washington, Minnesota, Philly, Atlanta over the Rams? Are you kidding me? After the way the Rams looked last night, man, that is one team I do not want to see in the playoffs. Um, so I honestly don't give a damn 
who's in that six or seven spot because they're not going anywhere regardless. Um, and I just want to play one of them. So that's, that's where my NFC playoff picture comes from. I do think if there's one team we're going to catch, though, it's Arizona. We play them once. And honestly, I don't have much faith in Arizona, man. I really don't. I, I, Their coach is better than yours. He is. He is. 100%. But he's, he's not that great. Um, yeah. And I, I just... If there's one team I think that we can catch, it's Arizona. We're not Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Those are one, two in the NFC. I do think Green Bay is a little fraudulent. Um, we, we've talked about this before because of that COVID toe. Um, <laughs> I had to do it. Um, by the way, that Collinsworth little blip, funniest thing I've ever seen. Or oh, was it Collinsworth? I don't know, it was Joe Buck. Joe, Joe Buck. Buck. Joe Buck making fun of Aaron Rodgers. One of the best things I've ever seen on live TV. Um, but yeah. I, I just want to get up into that three spot, man. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they're going to go 14 and three or something like that. And then they're just going to lose their first game. Yeah. Like he will not, not even worth talking about. Like I, I, I've talked about this way too much. The Cardinals, I think, you know, I think the top five teams in the NFC, I think two of them are really flawed. And the two that are really flawed for me in the top five, are the Cardinals and are the Packers? I think, you know, overall the Cowboys are are a well balanced team when they execute, right? I think they're really they're opportunistic on defense, which is something that you can't really plan for. Uh, and you know, at any given time, when Dak is is himself, again, he's an MVP. He's an MVP candidate. Tampa Bay coaching would be their deficiency. Bruce Arians, I, I like I, I like him as a human. I don't think that he's a great coach, but I think that this just proves that if you have Tom Brady as your quarterback, you don't need to be like you. You don't really need to be that great of a that, that great of a coach. Um, and then the Rams, it, and that's primarily because I I really really like McVay. I believe that I I think he can hold a room. I think he knows how to get his uh, his players up. I don't trust Stafford. The man's never won a playoff game. And, and if you want to pause this for a real quick second and have a good laugh on the air with all of our listeners, why don't you go ahead and Google Matt Stafford's record versus winning teams? Or it, he's never, wasn't it uh, above four games, four games over 500. He's never won. Not once, not one game. Google his record against winning teams. That's in Stafford, bro. <laughs> do you want me to read it out do you want me to read yeah, it out yeah, yeah for for all of those listening driving walking whatever they're doing can you please uh tell us what matthew stafford's record versus uh, uh winning teams is so going into last night uh the one and two records so far this year uh brought matthew stafford's record versus winning teams to a resounding eight and 67 <laughs> And not only that, not only that, so to add something else to it, last night against the Arizona Cardinals, Matthew Stafford's been in the league for what, 10 years? 11? Long time. Was his first win in his career against the team with 10 wins. In his entire career. First win against the team with 10 wins. So, yeah. Do with do with that what you want. But. Yeah, I mean, like that that information's out there for you. Um, that's 
that's not a, I mean, again, all world talent, but again, if the, the if the Rams win, it's because it's because of their coach. I, I firmly believe that and they're, and they're fundamentally sound on defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a Patriot fan, one last thing before we get to your, your power rankings, I am not scared of the Green Bay Packers, of the Arizona Cardinals, because Cam Newton and the Patriots beat them last year. I'm not scared of the 49ers. <clears throat> I'm a little intimidated, not, not intimidated, but I, I would be, it would be a dog fight between uh, the football team and, and the Patriots. But man, like, I think Dallas and the Patriots, what we saw last time, would probably be something that would happen again. Like, it, th- those teams, like, they, they'll just play each other really well. Uh, sorry, Bobby. <clears throat> like, love you, mean it. I can't put into words <laughs> what a Belichick versus Brady Super Bowl would do for me. Like, there's just not, an, I, I don't know, I don't know how to say it. Or what words would would uh, encapsulate it correctly? That is, this is because this is the last year that I could, you know, I say that Brady will probably play till he's sixty, but this is the last year that I think that that's actually a possibility. So, you know, you know, if the Cowboys win three in a row after you know, after the season, fine. Give me Brady versus Belichick in the Super Bowl. If I lost to Tom Brady, if only thing stopping the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl was Tom Brady, I don't know if I'd be that mad about it. Because it would be like, well, fucking Tom Brady, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, yeah, listen, I would love to see a Brady-Belichick Super Bowl. The, the, the party and the, the, the craziness of that Super Bowl week would just be unlike anything else we've ever seen. It would be Mahomes-Brady multiplied by 50 from last oh. year. Uh, it would be absurd. It, it would be amazing. So I, I could get down with that. Although I got to say that Cowboys Patriots game was pretty amazing. It would make me happy to see uh, the Cowboys. I mean, not happy, but it would be one hell of a story just for us for in content purposes. Uh, because as you used to say, you can never have enough of that. Um, if the if the Cowboys beat Brady to get to the Super Bowl just to lose to Bill, <laughs> you would be you would lose your fucking mind i don't think i would ever be more unhappy about football in my entire life if the first time the cowboys got to the super bowl it was a rookie and the patriots of all fucking teams oh my yeah. god bro i don't even know i don't even want to talk about that all right all right let's let's not talk about it. let's get to your your let's get to your power rankings can't believe you just put that in the universe i don't like it yeah, that's can. gonna that's gonna happen now that shit is happening just just judging by my fandom and how everything goes that's happening um so, okay, power rankings, you know what? I can't believe I'm doing this for the second week in a row. Oh, got, least to best. We're going 10 to 1. All right, all right, yeah, 10 all right. to 1. We got the Ravens. Like I said, I, like we've said all show, I don't believe in this team. Um, I, I don't think Lamar is the answer. They're here strictly because of where they were in past weeks. We have 10, the Ravens hanging on to that 10th spot. Um, nine, they're back in it this week. Uh, they got a good win. I think once they're running back and their best player comes back, they could be a completely different team. Tennessee Titans, it's impressive that they are where they are. Number eight, the Chargers. Uh, I love Justin Herbert, man. I really do. Like you said, 68 yards on a dime was just one of the best throws I've ever seen. Uh, you always have a chance when you have Justin Herbert. Number eight. Number seven, we're dropping a spot. I can't believe I'm doing this after a win. Uh, but the seven is the Cowboys down from number six from last week. Whoa. Um, 
Listen, I, I love this defense. I love everything about them. That D-line is going to create headaches for a lot of teams. But until we can figure out what the hell is going on with the offense, the teams above them, I just can't, I can't in my right mind as a football fan put them above them. So I have seven Cowboys. Um, six after last night, uh, loss. They did drop pretty far. Um, but again, teams above them just are looking amazing right now. So I have six Cardinals. Um, if Kyler's healthy and that team is healthy, I do think they can make some noise. But let's see what they do against uh, some good teams coming up. Uh, five, Rams. They're just high-powered, man. They got it at wide receiver. They got it on defense. They got it everywhere. Um, so I, I do like the Rams moving forward. Uh, they jumped the Cardinals uh, this past week. I mean, even though Stafford's 8 and 184 against winning teams, you still like the Rams? Hey, listen, it's not based off of the 10-year career. This is based off this year and last week. So, yeah, just, just based off that win, man, they, they look good. Uh, I think OBJ and Stafford do have a good connection going on there. Um, and then you have Cooper Cup, man. He's impossible to stop. They got dude is absurd. He's absolutely absurd. Um, four, they're back. Best they've looked all season, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I believe that's, what, five in a row for them now? Um, six. Six, six in a yes. row for the Chiefs. Uh, so they're definitely back. The NFL needs to be on notice about the Chiefs because they're coming. Uh, number three, Mr. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they, they pulled it out against the Bills. Like I said, 33-3 and three against the Bills' career for Brady. It's just absurd. I love that stat. Uh, but I, I like Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I just think from the, the overall work that we've seen all season, if you, if you add it all together, the team right above them, just been a little bit better all year, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, <laughs> I, I put them oh, at two. Right. Um, that's okay. That considering two of their losses was a week one against the Saints, which can't even really count that at this point, uh, and then the week without Aaron Rodgers. So so far this regular season, when Aaron Rodgers has been in there playing up to his speed, playing the way he should, this team is really friggin' good. Um, Packers number two, number one. Second consecutive week, literally because there's no one out there that has done anything that that makes me think differently. You know, usually on bye weeks, I like to jump teams up, um, but even the teams below them. Listen, the Bucks blew a 27 point lead. The Packers had some of the worst special teams I've ever seen in my goddamn life on Sunday football. Um, the Chiefs, listen, we don't. The Chiefs. That was one week. We don't know what they could be. This one thing I do know. And that's who the New England Patriots are. They're a good defensive team. They're a team that's going to shove the ball down your throat. And they're a team that's not going to make any mistakes. And right now, that is saying a lot more than the rest of the NFL. So number one, second straight weeks. I can't believe I'm doing this again. The goddamn New England Patriots. This was supposed to be the rebuild year, man. This is supposed to be the year I was able to shit on you guys. And here we are, the fucking number one team in the power rankings. You started, I mean... You tried really hard at the first six weeks so of the year. Hard. I mean, you were you were wearing your hater, you're, you're, you're sipping your haterade and wearing your uh, your Cowboys pajamas. But listen, I think I think that that's a that's a that's a great list. I'm really surprised that the Cowboys are seventh because I think that they are better than a few teams that are above them, regardless of what their record is. But I can't help but love the fact 
that those bills are off the list. Bill is above Tom. And it just gives me hope that it is Bill versus Tom from the Super Bowl. Um, one last thing before uh, before we sign off, you should all stay tuned uh, in in the next in the next few days for our 100th episode celebration. Uh, it's going to be something that you're going to want to listen to. That we will talk about all the hits and misses over the uh, over the first 100 episodes. Um, so really looking forward to getting the whole crew back together. Uh, but before we go, Bobby, do you want to say anything? Um, just that, you know, I love this every week. Uh, I can't believe we've been on it for a hundred episodes now. It's, it's, it's unreal to me that, that a, that we've gotten this far. Um, we haven't killed each other yet and that people actually still like listening to us. So it's kind of cool. Thanks everyone. Yeah. Shout out to Ray for downloading us in every household in Dorchester. We love you. Mean it. And, uh, <laughs> Until next week, uh, for Bob Kelly, uh, Craig D'Alessandro, this is Mike Marcangelo saying thank you so much for listening to Missing the Point. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.